And we continue Moses' story, turning to Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 through 24 and 26 through 30. And um, in deference to um, the midweek word who said, what have you got against uh, verse 25? Even though it's not printed there, I think I'm going to read it anyway, just for the flow of it all. Um, And um, as you may have heard in our our song, uh, Moses has gone to Pharaoh and pleaded with Pharaoh many, many times please let my people go, and um, Pharaoh has said yes and then no and hardened his heart and finally has said, yes, just, just go. But Pharaoh has changed his mind and now has rallied the army to come after them. And so there's a sh- going to be a showdown right at the banks of the Red Sea, and we get to pull up a chair and pull up a Bible and hear all about it. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Here ends the lesson. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you who are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I'm looking for a little yellow card. There it is. Okay, just in case. (laughs) All right, I'm also looking back at 14. Okay, now I'm ready. Well, this is the moment that we've all been waiting for, isn't it? The Ten Commandments moment where whether we're watching... Charlton Heston or watching the Prince of Egypt, it's the moment of grandeur, of a miracle, when Moses stretches out his hand and and by the power of God, the walls, actually the water, the water of the Red Sea rises up into corridors, basically, into a corridor. A wall is is made of water and there's this pathway through the sea. And so 
we watch. In, the, in our mind's eye, or as we watch on the movie screen, the Israelites are safe. The Israelites look. All, can, you can imagine walking through there. And I, I, I keep thinking about the Prince of Egypt movie with there, there were whales swimming and they were kind of coming up to the edge and they just kind of look at the people as they were walking through and the people are looking back. How can this be happening? Especially given the panic, the fear of just a few moments ago that they were on the edge of the Red Sea and they were cornered. And the equivalent, basically the, the, the Middle Eastern ancient equivalent of tanks and war machines were coming after them, horses and chariots, and they were on foot. The king of Egypt was coming after them with all of his forces, and after 400 years of captivity, their hearts were frozen inside of them. How in the world can we ever escape? And then God moved in a mighty way. And suddenly, quite literally, the way opened in front of them. And they walked through what used to be water, through the seabed, and all the way up on the other side. An amazing, glorious moment it is the Israelite moment of salvation when God took what could have been tragedy and turned it into the moment of faith when they knew absolutely that God knew them, saw them, loved them. God saved them. That is one moment that we hold in our eyes. Now I want us to focus the camera in a different place. All of the Egyptians dead on the shore. Because the Egyptian army, seeing that the Israelites were fleeing, thought, let's go. And they, they went into the midst of it and then realized, no, no. The waters closed over their heads and drowned them. The narrative goes through the chariots and the chariot drivers, every one. Starkly it is written, not one remained. And then the waters spit them back out. And the narrative ends, or nearly ends, with the Israelites even in their moment of triumph and joy, taking a moment to look, to look at all of the Egyptians stretched out on the shore. And I find it very interesting that they have not broken into songs of triumph. Those are coming in a few minutes. There will be there will be hymns of praise for Moses and Miriam saying, thanks be to God who has rescued us, who's delivered us from slavery. But for a moment, 
in common humanity, the Israelites look at the Egyptians and see that they are gone. The threat is over. And I imagine there was a great sense of relief. They weren't going to be pursued anymore. But I wonder, too, about the sorrow that they may have, fe- that may have felt. It's telling to me that every year, as our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrate the Passover, in, their full cup, in the full cups of wine that are there, you, dared, you, you carefully dip out ten drops of wine or juice, whatever it is that you are drinking, to remember the ten plagues that were visited on Egypt. And that much of your joy is taken away. And I think it's important for us to recognize that in every triumph there is always the balance. But how did we get here? That's important to think about too. Because as the Israelites looked at the Egyptians, yes, they saw the dead. They saw human beings. But they also saw the ones who had chosen for 400 years to torment them, to subject them to slavery, who had taken away their children, who had killed their loved ones in turn, and had just about beaten out every ounce of their faith and their hope. And perhaps even as they mourned, as they took stock of that situation, what was ignited in them again was hope. I called this sermon payoff as if it were a transaction. And it is in a way because what got the Israelites there was that tiny flicker of hope. When Moses came to them and said, it doesn't have to be this way anymore. Come with me. Follow me. Pack up your stuff. Get your flatbread and your babies and let's go. And they went. All of them at that point, never having known another life but slavery to a land that they'd heard about but had never seen. If we believe, as Hebrews tells us, that faith is the belief in things that are unseen, that was some faith. Faith that that pillar of cloud and the flame at night, those were God leading them not into more, t- more trouble, but leading them toward freedom, that is faith. And the understanding that when those walls of water came up, that that was God's ultimate sign, here's your road, take it. And they did. They chose to believe. 
they chose to take what little they had and put it in God's keeping. And the payoff, the payment, the relationship that came back to them was God saying, I never forgot you, and I've come to get you. You're safe now. And those Egyptians lying on the shore had chosen too. Had chosen after their Pharaoh had said, go. But Pharaoh changed his mind. And in his ignorance and in his fear, in his wish to oppress again, he chose violence and ordered others to choose it as well and led them there. And I think it's important for us to understand the power of choice that is in this story and in all of our biblical narrative. We don't get anywhere in in the Bible without choice. We don't always want to admit it. At times, we want to pile things on top of it. We want to point our fingers at God and say, God's the one who lifted up the water. God's the one who sent those waves crashing down. And yes, indeed, yes. But there was no reason for God to move that water had there not been Israelites standing, waiting, hoping for grace. There was no reason for God to move that water back except that there was a violent force coming after the people of God. Choices. The choices they made, the choices we make, lead us to our rivers. Have us choosing to walk that path toward freedom, marveling at what God has done, or choices lead us to climb into our chariots and ride off in fear and violence, chasing we're not even quite sure what. And the payoff, the payoff always is God saying, here you are, This is what you have chosen. This is what I will give. And I know that even as the the waters closed over the Egyptians' heads, God sorrowed that those choices had been made. But God honored them. And as God watched his people standing on the shore, bedraggled and befuddled and still confused, God smiled, knowing that faith had led them there and greater faith would lead them on because it concludes here. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians, so the people feared, that is, were in awe, of the Lord and believed in the Lord 
and in his servant, Moses. We choose, we choose each day. Amen.